Well, one of the most looked forward to holidays of the year by many is probably Independence Day. The 4th of July comes right smack in the middle of summer. Usually by that, that time of summer, the, the rain spigot has been turned off. And uh, Whereas Memorial Day, I can remember lots of Memorial Days where it stormed or rained. Kind of like what we've just come through the last few days. But by, by July 4th, Independence Day, uh, it is usually hot and dry that time of the year. Uh, often one of the, the hotter days of the summer. And people uh, enjoy, I know people in this area enjoy going to the river. Where I used to live, it was, we had a lake on the southern end of our county. And uh, people enjoy just getting out. They enjoy gatherings with family. And uh, it is truly a national celebration. Uh, even people that are not overly patriotic, they can appreciate... Uh, a good grilled hot dog or hamburger and a fireworks display. And uh, we can celebrate our nation's independence yet again. And you may wonder, why in the world are we talking about the 4th of July on Palm Sunday? A week before Easter, well here's why. Because what is going on in John 12 looks very much like a national celebration. If you'll turn there with me, John 12, beginning with verse 12. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the King of Israel! Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Now, Palm branches, it's important to understand, signify uh, victory. Uh, the palm branches uh, sig signify triumph. And so when they go out and they are shouting, Hosanna, and they are saying, Blessed is the King, blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord, they're quoting a psalm that is well known to them, Psalm 118, and I believe it's verses 25 and 26. Because what Hosanna means is, Lord, save us. Now, if you're the Jewish leaders, and you've already had a gut full of Jesus and you have already been thinking about ways to get rid of this guy, then all of a sudden, here it is, the Passover celebration. 
a time when the streets of Jerusalem absolutely swell. People that have uh, inns, people that have businesses of various kinds, uh, they are excited about this time of the year. Much in the way a retailer would get excited about Christmas today. And so there are people packed in the streets. People have come from all over that region of the world to celebrate the Passover. And now all of a sudden, you've got these murmurings going through the crowd. Did you hear about Jesus of Nazareth? Did you hear? what? No, what did he do? Well, down in Bethany, a couple miles down the road, there is this guy named Lazarus who had been dead for four days. And Jesus shows up and says, Lazarus, come out. And what happened? Well, he came out. Dude that had been in the tomb for four days and he's still got the grave clothes on. And, and Jesus looks at him and says, take off those grave clothes and let him go free. And I've seen him. I've seen him walking around. My cousin knows him. You can hear the conversation, right? And so now people are like, no way. People that had heard different things about Jesus. But now, of all the signs and wonders that could be so easily dismissed as part of theatrics, a guy that a whole bunch of people knew was dead wasn't slightly dead. It's four days. It's about as dead as you can get. And so that is going through the crowd. And so some of those same people, John tells us, that, that saw that with their own eyes, they are there now. And so now, they're waving these palm branches. They are greeting him as a national hero. Just us, a casual reading of this, that's lost on us. But the people are absolutely beside themselves. And they're saying, here he is, the... King of Israel. They're saying, Lord, save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. As if the palm branches themselves weren't enough. There's all these things that they're saying. And so now, if you're someone who is tired of Jesus of Nazareth... You've really had it at this point with the guy. And that quote from the Pharisees, the whole world has gone after him. Oh, I wish we had that feeling today, right church? Ooh. Because now, I feel like some people are hanging on and most of the world is missing out on him. Most of the world is missing out on the greatest story ever told. And so, we have though, Jesus coming into Jerusalem. Think about 
the times, and for many of us, we've only seen the footage. I remember uh, after the first Gulf War, they did have a big ticker tape parade in New York City. But uh, you think about the footage you've seen maybe of World War II. Uh, other, other conflicts that the United States, the wars that the United States has been involved in, uh, we didn't celebrate like we did. World War II was the biggest. And you've seen the footage of, of the troops uh, in New York City going down Broadway and all the tall buildings and all the ticker tape coming out and just showering, just looking, just raining down all that paper in absolute celebration, victory, triumph. And that's what's going on here, church. But then we move forward because the part that we've just heard, it's covered in all the gospel accounts. Luke is the exception in that he doesn't mention palm branches. Matthew, Mark, and John do. But then the part that we're about to read... This is the part that's more exclusive, at least most of it, is exclusive to John. So beginning with verse 20. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Now it's, under, it's important to understand these are not... Uh, these are not Jews who happen to speak Greek. No, they're, John designates them here as Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. So these are, these are non-Jews. Possibly people who were what were called proselytes. They were not born into Judaism, but they had converted to Judaism and that's why they were here for the festival. So that is very, very likely. But now they have gone uh, to talk, uh, they've approached Philip. So Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Verse 23, Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. I'm going to pause there, church. Jesus talking about the wheat and how the, the kernel... It's a single kernel, but if it falls, then it scatters and breaks into pieces. And he's kind of, it sounds kind of like cloaked in mystery here. But he's talking about the reason that he has to die. Because quite simply, as I've tried to point out before, if Jesus sticks around, even after his resurrection, if Jesus sticks around, well... It's one man. If people want to be in contact with the Lord, they have to be in the physical presence of Jesus. And this evening, in the video I'm going to record this afternoon, we're going to talk about what comes next. 
about the helper that Jesus is about to promise his followers. Because in the absence of Jesus and with the presence of the Holy Spirit, now God can be within all believers. And so Jesus coming into Jerusalem is triumphant in a way because he knows what they want to do to him. It's important to remember that his disciples tried to tell him not to go to Jerusalem. Wait, you're going, you're going down to Jerusalem? No. They want to kill you there. But he knows that his time has come. This is his mission. The title of today's message is Missio Dei which is a Latin phrase that means mission of God. Because that was Jesus' calling. That was Jesus' mission was to come. And as we've talked about in recent weeks, destroy the work of the devil, right church? And so he is about to do that with his death, burial, and resurrection. And so... Just as Jesus calls his first disciples with this invitation to come and see, then it was Philip who would later go to Nathanael and give that same invitation to him to come and see. And it's only fitting that that some of the first called disciples are now introducing Jesus to people who would be among the first Greek disciples. These are Gentiles, church. Non-Jews. Just like everybody in this room. And so right here, even before Jesus' death on the cross, John gives us this indication of the fullness of Jesus' mission. It wasn't just for the Jews, praise God that he was coming to save all the world, all of humanity. Verse 27, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Listen to this prayer. Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Now, for them to think it's thundering. Y'all remember what thunder sounds like? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the Lord's reminded us of the sound of thunder lately, hasn't he? Up late last night, as I usually am on Saturday, later than usual. And I've almost felt like the thunder just wasn't going to stop. It's like I knew it was supposed to clear up by about 5 or 6 this morning. And I thought, man, that can't get here fast enough. Just wave after wave. And then sometimes you see the flash of lightning, right? And then you know the thunder's coming. That thunder that can rattle windows. 
And so the people who have heard God speak, but they mistake it for thunder. Now, thunder is a Jewish metaphor for the power of God. Now think about that for a moment. God speaks and people are just rattled as if they've just heard thunder. The power of God. Jesus said, verse 30, This voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world, Satan, will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. The crowd spoke up, We have heard from the law that the Messiah will remain forever, so how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Then Jesus told them, You are going to have this light just a little while longer. Walk, walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of light. When he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. And so, Jesus is saying, you believe, you walk in the light, then you will be children of light. He's describing us, church. He's describing believers. People who have hung on faithfully almost 2,000 years later And I know that sometimes our faithfulness can wane. Sometimes we have periods of life where we feel close to God. We feel a deep-rooted connection with our Savior, Christ Jesus. And then sometimes we have periods in life where we feel maybe a sense of disconnection. I hope you've never felt abandoned by God. But if you have, you're not alone. Sometimes your world gets rocked by a level of grief that can only make you say, God, where are you? The psalmist said that often. Psalms of lament. More psalms... Of the 150 in our Bible are in that category than any other category. More psalms of lament than psalms of praise or psalms of thanksgiving. Psalms that say, God, we need you. God, where are you? But as I always like to remind us, there's a point in those psalms of lament where the psalmist turns and ultimately proclaims God's faithfulness. And that's what faith is, church. That even when you're hurting, even when you might feel alone, that you still know that God is real. 
And that at some point in the future, you will again sense His love and His warmth and His presence. But Jesus, inviting His followers to walk in the light. Because saved people need to act like saved people. In a world where so many are walking in darkness, when they see people walking in the light, don't you notice light? Thursday night when our power went out, something that thankfully has only happened a handful of times since I've lived here. But when that power goes out, it gets dark in a hurry. Right, church? And so there we are, fumbling around in the dark for our flashlights and lanterns and, you know, those kinds of things. And then pretty soon, with just one light turned on, just one light, you can see everything in the room. Wouldn't want to have to always read by that light. But it certainly overcomes the darkness. And that's what Jesus is calling us. Because that mission of God has been transferred to His children. That's what He's doing here. He's saying, I'm not always going to be here. But you, you do whatever you can to walk in the light. He's saying, be faithful. Because it's going to be a dark world. And in that darkness, you can shine a light of love and a light of faithfulness. The light of a God who loves and a God who saves. In verse, excuse me, in Acts chapter 13. Verse 47, it says, For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. This is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you, talking to us, church, a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Jesus could have abandoned his calling. He could have said, nope, they're not worth it. Nope, they're just a bunch of wretches and even after they're baptized in my name, they're going to continue to be a bunch of sinners. But he didn't do that, did he, church? No. What Jesus did is say, in so many words, I'm not looking forward to it, but this is why I came. And in a world where we are just, everything seems to be about our safety and comfort. In our culture, we put a very high value on safety and comfort. We don't want to 
fear anything. We don't want to hurt from anything. You walk down to the drugstore and man, they've got shelves and shelves full of stuff that can fix you right up. Whether it's in front of the counter or behind the counter that you have a prescription for. There's just no end to all the stuff that can help you with whatever ails you. And we are a people that just don't like the idea of being afraid of anything. But what does that fear do to us? What does that comfort do to us, church? It often insulates us. And if we are insulated, then our light cannot shine. There's nothing about what Jesus did that was safe and comfortable. We just came through all of this past year. I started the week after Easter last year. We were worshiping online. We started a study of Acts. And preached that on Sunday morning for a couple of months and then switched that to a Wednesday night study and concluded it several months ago. But what do we read in the book of Acts, the early church? We read of people who said, okay, this is no time to be safe or comfortable. This is a time to walk in the light. And so what I encourage you, what I challenge each one of you to do this morning, church, is to think about your own calling. My calling was a calling to ministry. That to me is undeniable. It happened when I was 32. It became a reality when I was 40 years old. But your calling is different than mine. But you still have a calling. You still have a mission. What is your missio day? What is your mission of God? What are you on this earth to carry out? Who is it that you are here to speak truth to? Who is it that you're here to be an example for? Think about that. Pray about that. That you have a mission. You may have been speaking truth and sharing light for some time now. But what's next? Who's next? For your mission. That's the challenge that I lay before you, church family. To discover who and what your mission is going forward. Your own mission of God. The Missio Dei. Because He has made us a light to the Gentiles that we will carry salvation even to the ends of the earth. If you're with us this morning and you have not yet availed yourself to that salvation, I ask, why would you wait any longer? 
you are a confession and a baptism away from walking in the light, the only true light of this world. If you're with us this morning and you have something that's been weighing on you, something that you would like to pray about, have others pray about with you and for you, then we offer the invitation for that reason as well. I invite you to stand and sing together. When we walk with the Lord.